Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Welcome to our newest season of Humane Podcast in 2021. Humane is your first look at the startups and industry titans that are leading and disrupting ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education. I am your host, David Jakobovich, and this is Humane. If you like this episode, remember to subscribe and leave a review. Now, on to our show. Welcome back, listeners, to this episode of Humane Podcast, where we're featuring the CEO and founder of Nomad Data, Brad Schneider. Brad has an extensive history in the data industry in New York City with quite a few startups and has built great products. And today we're talking about his latest venture, Nomad Data. Brad, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for having me, David. Couldn't be more excited. I'm really excited for many reasons that we'll unpack during the show. But to start off for our listeners, can you tell us a little about, you know, who you are and your career in your previous ventures? Yeah, absolutely. So I've spent my career split between technology and finance. Started out even in my early days as a data guy, a tech guy. I uh, did my undergrad at MIT in computer science. You know, I came from the world of bulletin boards, you know, pre-internet and uh, very quickly started to work with data. So right out of MIT, I did a startup in the analytics space, basically helping large companies, the the Dells, the Barnes and Nobles of the world, look at their transactional data sets to learn more and more about their customers, about their products, about how to think about pricing. From there, I moved to the world of investments. And even though it sounds like a, a big shift, I was investing in technology. So 
had that uh, area of comfort as I made that move. And basically my job was to try to figure out which technology companies were doing better, which companies were doing worse. And that sort of brought me back into the field of data because I had just come from this world where the data actually told me how the company was doing. It gave me more insight into how Dell was generating higher or lower gross margins, where they were succeeding, where they were maybe struggling. From there, I uh, spent you know a good portion of my career investing in tech companies at a couple of different hedge funds, and then ultimately saw that the world was becoming more and more interested in data. And I had built a lot of software over the years to help me as the user of data more easily interact with that data. So I had created some tools that would combine data across a lot of different sources and very easily allow me to visualize it. And so decided to launch a venture back in 2005 to commercialize the software. And so the goal was really a single user interface for data and ran that company for about five years. We sold it right before COVID in February of last year and then started Nomad Data. And so Nomad came out of a problem that I had seen over and over again. So, you know, the the world of data is exciting because there's so many new data sets coming to market that tell you everything from voter information to, you know, win-loss rates for lawyers and different court cases. And, you know, even this morning we were looking at the volume of shipments coming in and out of the U.S. and what type of shipments as we think about sort of economic recovery. But the problem was there was no good way to find these data sets. And we always had customers asking us, basically, this is our problem. How do we go from knowing what our problem is to knowing what data will help address it? And really, there was there was nothing set up to do that. Google isn't really built to index data sets in that way. There's a lot of other platforms that will give you descriptions of data sets, but none of them helps you connect the use case to the data set. And that seems to be an area where, where people are really stuck. And so Nomad Data's goal is, you know, at a high level to be the search engine for these data sets, make it a lot easier for people in the AI space, for researchers, for computer scientists, for marketers, for strategy professionals, consultants, investors, help them connect those those everyday business problems they have to real data sets. And we've basically been in business about a year. We launched a product, we started selling, we raised some money. And so far, the reception has been great. This is clearly a problem that a lot of people are having and one that we're, we're helping fill the gap and make things a little bit easier. Yeah, Brad, I think back to my days of both General Assembly and Galvanize, where we worked with a lot of institutions and enterprise clients, and we did consulting and advisory on data sets and data science workflows. And you'd often find the clients were really wanting to do the machine learning and do the performance monitoring. But if you didn't have good data sets to start with, the problems really struggled to get a life off the ground. And there were a lot of platforms out there all over the place, hot messes, you know, sure you got the caggles of the world, but there's a lot of opportunity to improve. And so it comes to this age old problem. Do you make your data? Do you buy your data? And so you know, speaking to that, let's talk about buying data since your platform is very focused on data sources. What types of data are available for purchase? It really ranges the gamut. We currently have about 650 data providers on the platform, and that represents thousands of different data sets. So some of the, the more common ones in, in the industries that we serve, so let's say credit transaction data. So there are data sets that allow you to see every single dollar being spent by literally tens of millions of Americans on their credit cards. 
and even internationally. And, you know, people obviously worry about things like privacy, but this data is, is heavily aggregated. So it really lets me see, let's say at the store level, how is Home Depot progressing, you know, as we look at what happened last year, how are the cruise companies going to rebound? It's a great way to sort of see high level economic performance. Then you've got things like customs data, which allows you to see trade flows, exactly what goods is a certain retailer bringing into the country? Where are they sourcing that from? Which factories are producing more or less? You know, there's ship to ship communications data where you can literally see every ship in real time on the planet. You've got consumer credit data where there is information on about 50 million Americans, every single loan that they have. And again, the, the data is anonymized, but it allows you to really understand the health of either an economy or a certain type of loan or where people are borrowing to spend. And so the problem is that these data sets are so powerful, but they're also so broad. I can use that customs data set to understand a single company, an aspect of one company, a region, an economy, uh, competitive wins and losses for factories. And because they're so broad, it's very hard to describe on a web page what this data set can be used for. And because of that, search engines can't really do a good job indexing that data, and it becomes really hard to find. If I know that my problem requires credit card data or, let's say, import-export data, then that problem is a lot easier to find, uh, easier to solve. But that isn't what the problem looks like. And most people, even experts, don't know that you can take data from one industry and apply it to a completely different industry. And so it sounds like when we're thinking about solving problems, whether it's analytics, whether it's data science, whether it's building products, when it comes to the build versus buy for data, you are in the school of thought of let's buy data to speed up processes. Is that right? So I've been on both sides of this one. So it really sort of depends on sort of your timeline and, and the availability of the data you need. So early in my career, I was using data to make better investments. And, you know, for example, I would I would scrape hiring sites. So I created a lot of my own hiring data. We would scrape things like LinkedIn. We would scrape different job boards. We would scrape company job boards. And, you know, an issue that we had is that we really wanted to correlate this data we were collecting with something we could observe. So the company's reported headcount, the company's reported growth. But these things are typically only reported once a quarter. So even if we collected data for a year, we only had four data points to run that test against. So that made it somewhat problematic. Even if the data we collected was 100% accurate, it became very challenging because we didn't have enough data points to even make a simple linear regression model. And so in a lot of cases, it's better to buy if you need to be able to do that sort of testing. If really what you need is point-in-time data, and that, that is scrapable. For example, if I need to know the employees that work at a certain company today, if I need to know what goods were shipped into the U.S. from China in the last month, then these are things that I can create myself. It's really the time series aspect of the data. I can't start scraping something in the past, you know, but not 100% true. There are a few ways where other people may have stored it and you're really scraping it from them, but you can't go back in time. You can't see what something looked like at a, a different point in time and get that data. So there are companies out there that have been doing these sort of scrapes for years or they're plugged into a certain system for a decade. And so they're wonderful sources to sort of speed things up. 
And so when you think about the challenges around using data to inform decision-making, you've spoken about finding the right data, right? Having 650-plus data providers and thousands of data sets today for institutions and startups to access. You've spoke about testing the data, making sure it has the number of points and it's available to get highly accurate and reliable results for models. There's also a third area that you've spoken about before, which is putting data into production. Why is that area very important for informing decision-making? You have to get the data into some sort of a store that you can interact with it. And that, that can often be a challenge, especially when you're talking about extremely large data sets. So, you know, in the past, you know, I'll give one example in the consumer credit space. So we were working with one of these credit files from the credit bureaus, and they are literally terabytes in size. It would take the company who was producing it roughly six to eight weeks just to physically give it to you to schedule a job to produce the files, to partition an FTP server, and for you to actually download them. Then you basically had to go through, you had to import them into a database. So this whole process took months before you were writing your first query. And so that process, there's a lot of great companies focused on improving it, but that's been a real bottleneck historically is getting that data from where it started, whoever is creating it or whoever you're purchasing it from, and getting it somewhere that you can write that first query, you can make that first API call, you can run that first analysis Unfortunately, that's still a bottleneck, but I'd say there's light at the end of the tunnel on that one with services like Snowflake that are creating these marketplaces where people are putting the data in a, in a common database format. And speaking of data marketplaces like Snowflake, I mean, you are building a marketplace to grow the data market. What is Nomad doing today? You mentioned to build the search engine for data of tomorrow. What is Nomad Data doing today to improve that discoverability among these data providers? So one thing we learned about data, it's hard to fully automate the data search process today. The main reason being the data you need, the metadata about the data doesn't really exist. And the term metadata is used very broadly. So the sort of metadata that does exist, you know, is basically what format is the data in? What are the different columns? What do they represent? But none of that really encodes the knowledge that those data sets possess. And so we have been building that metadata database. So keeping track of use cases, keeping track of sectors of coverage, keeping track of entities and types of metrics, and so we build that database. And as new searches are conducted on the platform, we're actually learning from each one. So those are being incorporated into our models. And then we also use cutting edge NLP and machine learning to find similar concepts. So I was actually just running a test on our platform to see if typing in Bitcoin would pull up all the cryptocurrencies related data sets and looking at different acronyms and, and it works quite well. So that's a really important piece of it is to have this sort of expansion of vocabulary from what the user said they wanted to actually finding something that covers that, but maybe doesn't use the same language to do that. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. 
From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And when you think about discoverability, we also think back to the past year and a half as the world has continued to emerge from uh, the great pandemic of 2020. The thought process has been, you know, how can data be used successfully? And how has the pandemic impacted data? Is it available? And what trends have you seen around data as a result of the pandemic? I'd say the biggest change that the pandemic caused was really the need for data. So if I think about pre-pandemic, a lot of things about an economy, a lot of things about a company were fairly well known. So we knew what back to school looked like. We knew what Black Friday looked like. We knew what pre-Christmas shopping looked like. We knew that you know certain businesses have one cycle and other businesses have a different cycle. We know that inventory moves smoothly through the supply chain and we can expect them to produce whatever they need. Whereas in the post-COVID world, you know, basically all that stuff gets thrown out the window. We don't have business cycles anymore that we, we understand. We don't have any history. So all of a sudden, you know, we go from a world where there might be one or two things that we don't know about a country or, or a company to basically everything becomes unknown. We have no idea what back to school will look like this coming year. We have no idea, you know, what the impact on the lumber market will be, whether or not we're in a you know, a short-term bubble in housing or a completely new trend. So because of this, you have found buyers looking to more and more data sets to sort of fill in the, the holes in their understanding. And because of the increasing number of those holes in their knowledge, there's been an increasing need for data. So I've spoken with many different data sellers, and many of them have seen their businesses double and triple over the last year because of this, because there's just unprecedented uncertainty in both the economy and with particular businesses. One of the challenges that I've seen with the data science workflow is, you know, being able to access data, being able to know what's the right data and when to use it for projects, 
goes back, you know, not only to build versus buy, but it goes back to just the data market overall. You know, what have you seen, uh, Brad, being at the forefront of the data market? What's holding the data market back? I still think search, the area that we're focused on, is one of the biggest problems. People know they want to see something. They want to be able to calculate some statistic, but they don't really know the data that would provide the requirement to do that. And so you have a lot of people that would be interested in buying data, but they don't know how to even begin to approach the market. Your average data or would-be data buyer, they're not well served by looking at a list of a thousand data providers or 5,000 data providers. That only makes the problem more and more challenging. It's similar to going to a diner and having you know 500 things on the menu. Really hard to know which direction you want to go in. And you know you can only eat a few items before you're full. And the same is true of data. We can't test all the data in the world out. So we need to be really pinpointed on what we focus on. And because people have a really difficult time finding the right data, finding the best data to address their use case, they'll get stuck at other stages testing the wrong data, finding out that it isn't helpful going through you know, maybe an NDA or a purchase process to find out that that wasn't really what they wanted in the first place. And for most buyers, it's just too intimidating to even get started. So you really only have experts in the market. And because of that, the market is a lot smaller than I think it will be in the future. And one of the analogies I love to use is that of the internet. You know, if you think about the early days of the internet, you could only remember so many websites in your head, right? You couldn't have millions of websites and expect any of them to be found. And then you implement this layer called the search engine, and all of a sudden you unlock the long tail of the market. You allow these smaller, these newer businesses to rise to the forefront very quickly. So you stir things up. You know, it's not too dissimilar, you know, with what happens in, in evolution. You get a, a mutation that's highly advantageous and it explodes if there's the right selection event in the population. And so, you know, I expect that services like Nomad are going to really help unlock this industry, which ultimately what that means is you bring more and more buyers into the market. The data providers start to generate more and more income. It attracts new data providers. Ultimately, you know, it brings down pricing in a positive way where providers are spending less money selling. They can make a lot more earnings at a lower price. And as that price reduction is felt by consumers, you bring even more consumers into the market. So you, you ultimately will see a market that's orders of magnitude larger than what we see today, which, you know, like we saw on the Internet, like we saw with app stores. I mean, just think about what the size of the mobile app market was in you know, 2000, we had cell phones, we had cell phone apps. You know, Apple didn't really come up with an app store until I think it was circa 2010. Uh, and we think, you know, looking back, it seems like, you know, we had phones and the next second we had apps, but it was a long time before someone came in and standardized all the steps in the process, whether it was search, you know, whether it was development, whether it was testing, whether it was, you know, how do I pay for this? And once that was in place, the market grew from 100 million to, you know, the last time I checked, it was over 100 billion. And so I expect the same thing to happen with the types of commercial data sets that we're talking about. And it sounds like, you know, that many of the companies today haven't given much thought to data as they have for software, where software has been IP, where software has been proprietary. It's that today data is the new part of the toolkit, that data should be looked at as R&D, as IP, and that competitive edge so that companies can be more effective and efficient to win at the marketplace. There's no question about it. 
You know, I'd say that the data revolution has already started. And I think the first step in that was companies looking at their internal data. How can we make better use of, of what we're producing out of our CRM systems, out of our logistics systems? And, you know, as we squeeze more and more value out of that, then people start to say, well, what, what more can I do? My data informs mostly on my business, but only from my point of view. You know, what do I look like from my competitor's point of view? What do I look like to my customers when they're not in my stores, when they're not on my website? That's where a lot of these companies lose visibility. And so I think the next frontier is you know, whether you want to call it external data, whether you want to call it alternative data, it's these data sets that are coming from outside your four walls. And in a lot of different businesses, it gives you a perspective that you don't have. It gives you a, a perspective that isn't biased by your own internal processes, but it still is biased by other things. And that's really the learning curve behind using external data is, is really familiarizing yourself with what those biases are and how they impact the analysis that you're doing. Now, when we look at a platform like what you're building, Brad, at Nomad Data, how can corporates get involved? If I'm a corporate company today, can I have my data on Nomad Data? What does it look like? Yeah, and we're already seeing that. So a lot of corporations are fairly new to selling data, but there's an interest. You know, I'd say it really depends on the company. If you're a company where your brand, you know, is extremely important, you're consumer facing, you're a Coca-Cola, you're a Nike those types of companies in general are more reticent to sell data because there's potential brand risk associated with doing that. It's the companies where they're maybe deeper in the supply chain, you know, their brand isn't really what they sell on. They're an intermediary in a market, but have incredible visibility. We're seeing more and more of those companies start to bring their data to market. And the reason that Nomad is such a great fit for them and even for those in the former category is that we support anonymity on both sides of the market. So a lot of corporates are very hesitant to list their data set in a marketplace where there's a giant list of what's being sold. They want to be very selective on who they share that information with, that their data is being sold at all. And so in Nomad, they can post their data. It's completely anonymous. If someone were to conduct a search, our NLP algorithm matches that corporation to that particular search. And then it's up to them whether or not they want to reveal their identity. They can actually engage in a conversation while still being anonymous until they get to the point that they feel comfortable. And we've seen that generate a lot of interest from potential data sellers. Now, uh, Brad, you as well recently raised a round of funding for Nomad Data. Can you share with our audience more about that capital round and what that will accelerate for your business moving forward? Yeah, we, we just announced this last week. We raised 1.6 million and that was led by Bloomberg Beta and then some other sort of higher profile VCs as well. Some great angels in the data space. And really what the goal for this is to start to reach scale with this business. So we, we've got very good scale on the data provider side and now we're focused on bringing new types of buyers into the market. So that's gonna be focused on hiring and we've, we've already brought on someone you know, even within the last week we're going to start making announcements about that in the, the coming week or two. And we're going to be putting a lot of that into marketing, generating awareness, not only of nomad data, but of alternative data as a sector and, and just how vitally important it is to making the right decisions, especially in this environment. 
And that's great to see that, you know, Bloomberg Beta led your round with participation from Alumni Ventures, Great Oak Ventures, Correlation Ventures, and uh, ourselves at DataFrame Ventures were excited to participate as well. Turning things over to the alternative data space and trends and where you see the markets going, what are some of the predictions or trends that you're going to see in the next few years for us? I think as we get out three to five years, I think awareness of this space and interest in this space is going to explode. I think we're going to go from a market where people are excited that there's something out there and have no idea how to approach it and get involved in it to a market where most companies have begun some sort of effort to incorporate this data have started to make decisions based on this data. And as a result, I expect you to see literally orders of magnitude growth on both the, the number of people selling data and the number of people buying data. And uh, as you're a founder for your company, Nomad Data, you are based out of New York City. Both of us live in New York. I'm a big fan and proponent on aggregation economies like New York City. Wanted to hear from your end, why New York for your latest venture? I think New York is just an exciting place to be. The energy here is is unrivaled. And it's also an interesting city because you've you've got so many new faces coming to the city. You've got so much turnover at big companies that are looking to do new and exciting things. Especially after COVID, you know, we've seen just a record number of people look to change careers. And so I think if you're a startup, it's a wonderful environment to be in. You know, it's also helping a lot that housing is coming down. I think we're attracting more and more people. I think people that don't want to commute here don't have to anymore. So I think it's going to be a, a renaissance for the city. Well, Brad Schneider, the CEO and founder of Nomad Data, thanks so much for joining us on Humane. Thanks, David. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Humane Podcast. Did the episode measure up to your thoughts on ML and AI, data science, developer tools, and technical education? Share your thoughts with me at humanepodcast.com forward slash contact. Remember to share this episode with a friend, subscribe and leave a review, and listen for more episodes of Humane. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.